Happy February 28th, 2020. It's not the last day of February, though. It's a leap year. We got one more day in February uh, tomorrow. You know that, Jason? You know, every seven years, we get a 29th day of February. It's a rare one. What are you going to do on that day? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Same thing I do on the <laughs> 28th, I guess. <laughs> kick back and relax, right? <laughs> yeah. Every seven years. Happy Leap Day, gang. Let me tell you about the show we've got coming up today, because we've got some really great guests. You know, we've had African-American speakers on all month, because it's Black History Month, and we'll be joined first off with the Reverend Lucia Chappelle from the MCC Church to talk about Black History Month and what it means to her and to LGBT people. And then after that, we're, we're going to have uh, a couple of guests who are coming in to talk about women, especially lesbian women, and crystal meth. There's a lot of focus on gay men and bi men and meth, but rarely do we get to focus on women and meth. So we are having uh, Melissa McCracken coming in, uh, a woman in recovery, lesbian been in recovery from meth and along with Jimmy Palmieri from the Tweakers Project to talk about meth and its continuing impact on our community. And then uh, third, the coronavirus. I was trying to get somebody from the Department of Public Health or the Centers for Disease Control, but they're all a little busy right now because despite what the Donald is saying, we are in the middle of a pandemic. And so Karen Oakham, lesbian journalist to the stars and everybody LGBT, she's been collecting so much research data. She's always a Wikipedia of information. So she'll be talking with me about that. And we promise in the future we will uh, have LA County Department of Public Health come by. Uh, Michael Gottlieb, the HIV discoverer, told me he'd come by and talk about coronavirus. So that'll be a continuing story. And then topping off the day, we are going to have uh, Senator Scott Weiner, the state senator from San Francisco, talking about his legislative efforts up in the state capitol on particularly meth, but other LGBT stuff as well. So with that, Jay, let's play the call-on music for the Reverend Lucia Chappelle. Here we please. go. All right. Welcome, Lucia. Well, thank you. It's good to be <laughs> here, John. That's the roots. I don't know if you knew that. I had to look it up. I'm like, who sings that? I know I've heard that, but that is the oh, roots. Oh, many, many, <laughs> many, many, many people sing that. <laughs> yeah, you're right, right? Many, 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 many from way before we were around. Wow. It goes back that far. Oh, yes, my dear. Wow. Oh, yes. Is that an old gospel number? It's an old gospel uh, number. That came uh, off the plantation, my dear. Wow. How appropriate oh, that we then use it for Black History yes, Month. It yes, It goes yes. back that far. Mm-hmm. You know, this country, we've got this like history with the African-American community that is horrific and the horror and cruelty of slavery, and of course, moving people out of their their homes uh, and African nations and tribes onto this continent, and then the struggle for equality, which has gone on for hundreds of hundreds of years and continues today. So, we want to take a moment out to talk about Black History Month with you. And hopefully that will inspire people to take more than a moment. Yes, right? To think about it all because year long. Because more than a moment is what's needed. Yeah. So, I mean, just let's just open it up. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, what you've been thinking maybe on your way to the show today, or since I asked you a couple of weeks ago to do this, what, what would you highlight for people? Uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading this month. I've picked up a couple of new books that I'm really excited about. Uh, one is called uh, Jailbreak, from, Jailbreak from Freedom. It's a it's a called a re biography of Harriet Tubman mm. by Butch Lee. Look it up. Look mm. it up on Amazon. And that one and also a book called uh, White Fragility that you might have heard of. I haven't heard of it. Oh, John, 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 you need to read this book. Okay. Robin D'Angelo. Okay. 
brilliant, brilliant books. And what's really been coming to me is that we sit back and we think we know everything we need to know. We, oh, well, I saw the movie, so I know everything about Harriet Tubman. Oh, you know, I've been to a workshop, so I know everything about racism. You can never, ever, ever finish learning. Mm. And you should continue. Even if you've heard the, the, you know, the nice fairy tale stories about Harriet Tubman or, you know, the prettied up stories about Frederick Douglass and, and um, Sojourner Truth and, and Martin Luther King mm-hmm. and Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you think you know all of those by heart, you don't. Hmm. You hmm. don't. Because those stories have been so filtered. And one really interesting thing, John, that um, this Butch Lee has pointed out, is that sometimes the more we glorify people, the more we create heroes out of these people, the more we trivialize what their work really meant. Oh, and their humanity. And their humanity. Yeah, we make them superhuman. We make them superhuman. We make them far above us. I think you and I talked last year about people having this image that there was one unified civil rights movement and Martin Luther King was the head. Right. That is the truth. That's just not real. (laughs) Right, right, right. And knowing that is a very important thing for how we deal with all of the kinds of organizing and all of the struggle that we still need to go through. Yeah. You know, to me, racism and prejudice is taught. It's not innate. You know, watch a bunch of infants in a crib play together. They That's right. They don't know the difference right. on race mm-hmm. or religion or a national origin or ethnicity. And yet they it's start hot. to at that at very even at that tiny tiny little age and that's some some of what Robin DiAngelo talks about in her book mm-hmm. is how pervasive white supremacy <clears throat> is so <clears throat> that it imprints from the time you're a toddler. Mm-hmm. It imprints, and so you, yes, it is taught, but it's taught in such brainwashy kinds of ways that you don't even know you're being taught it. Right. So even if your parents teach you all people are equal and get along with everybody, there's just too much in the culture to override that. Yeah, I think a lot of it too, at least in Western American culture, a lot of it is media driven. It is the portrayal on television Absolutely. and movies Absolutely. that uh, ends up solidifying a lot of mm-hmm. uh, myths or mythology around race and, and differences. And and the queer community knows that w- as well, we you do. know? I mean, it's wonderful that we have you know characters on TV and there's, you know, everybody has one gay friend. Right. Where do you know one gay person floating around the universe all alone with no context and no other friends? We, and the, we travel in packs. You know, we do. We travel in packs. Nest and of we, lesbians and packs know, of gay men. You know, we really do. And so these these lone wolf queers yeah, that yeah. right around, just like these lone wolf black people. How many, you, do you know any black people that don't know anybody else black? <laughs> Coming up next, gang, when we come back, more discussion with Lucia Chappelle about Black History Month here on Channel Q. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I ain't marching anymore by Phil Ooze. We are talking to the Reverend Lucia Chappelle from the MCC Churches about Black History Month. Thanks again for coming back. It's so wonderful <laughs> to be here. Did you remember that Phil Oaks is one of my favorite songwriters? I did. Oh, <laughs> how sweet of you. I, I, actually, I didn't. <laughs> but it was a random song that I thought just came out to me. I was like, oh, I'm so glad that that coincided perfectly. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. One of my faves. Oh, one well, perfect. Faves. Well, then I'm glad we picked Good job, yes. Jason. Hey, right on. Right on. You know, we were talking during the break uh, about this idea of uh, one leader leading a movement, whether it's Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, whether it's Harvey Milk, whether it's Goya Steinem. I mean, take your pick, right? That's, uh, that's not really it's, what happens. It's not really what happens at all. And as I was saying, you that that's one of the things that would be so important for us to really learn about history, instead of elevating these individual people, which is fine. It's it's lovely. It's marvelous. But it's not all there was to the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of that story was you, uh, somebody like you. Right. Yeah. You know, it takes a movement of people. It right? absolutely thousands does. Thousands of people to create change, not one person. <laughs> exactly. No. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not one organization. Right. And it's not, oh, this organization is good and that organization is bad and bip, 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 bip. It's everybody take a bite at the thing from a different angle. Right, exactly. But be involved. Well, during the 50s and 60s, the NAACP was obviously involved. Southern Christian Leadership Conference was involved. Malcolm X ended up doing mm-hmm, his own mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there were, and obviously the black churches mm-hmm. all played a major role exactly, all across the world. Exactly. Yeah. There was SNCC, the Student Nonviolent of Coordinating course. Committee. Right. There, I mean, there were dozens and dozens and dozens of groups. Yeah. And leaders who had come before Martin, believe it or not. Right. There were leaders, right? You know, yeah, yeah. Benjamin Mays and A. Philip Randolph, and you know, from union people and and all sorts of different angles mm-hmm. on the thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, as we were saying, the assassination lifted Martin up, just as the assassination of Harvey Milk right. lifted him up to a place where, and it's again. Honoring those people is fine, but let's honor their truth. Right, right, right. Honor their truth. Don't put a halo on them and then forget where it all came from. You know, with Martin Luther King, uh, now, of course, there's all talk and gossip about his womanizing that was largely hidden. Same with John F. Kennedy. Everybody knew. Come on. Can you imagine any of these people being lionized in the age of Instagram, (laughs) Twitter, Facebook, social media, fake news? I mean... Oh, golly. Right? It would have been... And, you know, it's kind of funny when you look at it because 
Martin was the one who looked at the situation in, in Birmingham and said, we need to, the world needs to see Bull Connor. Mm-hmm. The whole world is watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that was an amazing insight because people got to see. Right. What was ha- and they and be the fire, appalled. The fire hoses on the young women um, and men, kids, and, right, yeah, right, and right, dogs and the dogs attacking, yeah. and and all of this stuff, and people were horrified. Yeah, people were shocked and horrified, and something happened. The whole world is watching means a whole different thing now. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true, right? It's a whole different ball game because yes, the whole world is watching everything you do. Every reality show, every reality every, uh, show. What was that movie with Jim Carrey where he was sort of a uh, oh, oh, oh the God. Truman, a Truman, the, the show. Truman Show? You didn't see it, did you, Jason? <laughs> it, was, it was prophetic of the times we now find ourselves in, where every little detail of his life became yes. something. Portable, yes. or important, and yes. it wasn't. Oh, wait, that sounds familiar. I may have seen it. Yeah, yeah, with Jim Carrey. Yeah, it was yeah, a, yeah. a great movie. I don't know, twenty years ago or so. So, with the whole world watching, we have to figure out what to put the spotlight on, right? Right. So that the, they can watch the right thing, yeah. Instead of you know hours and our hours of lunacy and garbage. Yeah, I mean, and today, I mean, look at today. So you know, we just buried Kobe Bryant here in uh, Los Angeles, right, for the umpteenth time, mm. but Kobe had a history too of uh, being flawed you know whether it was the sexual accusations or the occasional homophobic remark that would come out uh, but somebody and this is why I think Kobe is a, is somebody to hold up because if uh, let me slip into a little Christian language here all right if anybody proved that redemption is a possibility hmm. mm-hmm. it was that person's yeah, life good point. And not a one-time thing. Right. It's a continual striving to do better. Right, right, yeah. In you know, in after doing something so yeah. wrong, and to demonstrate what it is to turn your right. life around. Right. And of course, twelve step meetings always talk about progress, not perfection. There you go. <laughs> progress, there not you perfection. go. And and that's so important again for us as as citizens as activists, as human beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think Barack Obama was uh, was sort of a one-time anomaly? I mean, he. now I look at him. I mean, I, I loved him. I mean, I was with him when everyone else was the Hillary Clinton. And I look back now just so fondly about that's what style and class and leadership looks like. There you go. You there think you we'll go. get an, another... Leader like that from the African American. I mean, I was. I, I like Cory Booker. There I thought Corey, you know. I love Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, dad, gone. Yeah, yeah. You know. But I. Um, the <laughs> the black community is filled with leaders, my dear. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes, I've had a few of them on the show all month. <laughs> talented, gifted people doing amazing things mm-hmm. across the country and around the world. Will the United States of America elect one again? A very good question. Because, yeah. you know, what, when we were talking before about you know these TV shows where you get the one black friend or the one gay right, right, friend. Right, 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 right. We've had the one black president Yeah, now. yeah. It's like, okay, we checked that box. We checked that box. <laughs> and, but what did that actually prove? Right. You know, was that... I often say that, and again, I love Barack. But I've often said, 
people did not elect a black president. They elected the Sidney Poitier character, mm. okay, mm-hmm. who's black, but then he uh, he's a brain surgeon, right? Right. Or, or he, you know, he's an African prince, or, yes, or, or you know, something or, else. Or that's... Diane Carroll playing Julia, exactly, right? like, exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. This elevated super person again, another super person um, that you could, or people could bury their animosity enough to go okay that one's good yeah will people decide that another one is good right i want to say yes when do we stop when do we stop even thinking about it that way yeah you know and obviously as somebody who's latino i'm just thinking will we ever have a latino president i mean will i have a woman president in my lifetime you know i don't i don't really know i don't know either because we're on we're on a very slippery slope right now yeah we need to start wondering if we'll never have another ever have another president period yeah I know. <laughs> Given the state of the world, the, the state of times that we find ourselves you know? in. You know, but you make a really good point, and that is that, okay, obviously the office of the presidency is a position of leadership, but there are thousands more yes. positions of leadership where people are leading all across yes. the country right yes. now. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I think that we would do well to look to the, you know, what's that saying? Uh, think globally, act locally. Yes, very much so, right? Very much so. That's a great message, I think, for us. We're ending Black History Month with you oh. as the final guest. Well, you know what? Do some black history and, and blackness in other times. Yeah. February is such a short and fleeting month. It is a very short <laughs> and fleeting month. We'll have to do it again. It's always good having you here, Lucia. Good to see you, Thank John. you. Good to see Thanks you. Thanks for having oh, me. Oh, I love having you here. I hope you'll come back again. Absolutely. Oh. It's it's so wonderful to be had. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so, I say that every Saturday. All right. Jason, when we come back, right. we'll have Melissa McCracken and Jimmy Paul Mary talking about meth in the LGBT community here on Channel Q. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. The incredible Amy Winehouse going to rehab, gang. We're going to have a serious talk again. I know you guys think that I talk about meth way too much, but in my opinion, we talk about it way too little because it is really impacting 
LGBT world. And we are joined today with Melissa McCracken and Jimmy Palmieri. Welcome, guys. All right. Hey, Hello. <laughs> Melissa, let's start with you. You and Jimmy and I got to participate in a chem sex panel here in West Hollywood. What was that, three weeks ago or so? Yeah, it was about three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you were unique to the panel because uh, I think a lot of times we think about meth impacting gay and bisexual men or men who have sex with men, but rarely do we talk about women in meth, and it's an issue, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Across the board, I think meth has an impact on, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a guy, girl, trans, like right. whatever. Right. It, it's still impacting our community in a very big way. Mm. So, Are you okay sharing a little bit about your story, about what, what happened for you? You talk about a little, I mean, I want to talk about recovery, too, but just, <laughs> just to lay some context here. Okay. Just a little. Um, well, I also am a person in recovery from methamphetamine addiction. Um my story started out, you know, uh, just drinking, using on the weekends, and then I was introduced to meth, and it was a whole new ball game for me. Mm. And you know, everything kind of lit up. As we know, meth is one of those drugs that delivers the dopamine for a long period of time. Right. And I was addicted to that, and started going to sex parties, things like that. A little bit of the porn industry, mm. um, and then I, you know, I literally hit the street. Wow. Um, I ended up in a tent on a freeway. Um, shooting drugs with no friends, no family members, no support whatsoever. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Not your story today, though. Not my story today <laughs> at all. No, no. I, I am definitely an impassioned person because of the experience that I've had with meth. Yeah. yeah. So you hit rock bottom, and and uh, I guess, you know, one of the things I didn't think about, because I, I know that meth in, in a lot of heterosexual women is associated with them needing the energy to do housework and kids and run around and Project be tweaker. super mom, right? Yeah. Do all that. Because I've yeah. talked to women like that, that they become super mom on meth. But with lesbians, I never thought about a, a sexual component. I Always with gay men, but obviously that was part of it for you, yes? Yeah, I, I think it enhances any sexual experience for any human. And I think we have these ideas of like, you know, that the housewife just trying to get dinner done and like the whole thing clean and all that stuff before the husband gets home but that was definitely not my experience with math Mm. so it was definitely used to enhance Mm. the party and play scene and when when you and you were at your bottom Mm. uh, was this your bottom Uh, homeless and in a tent under a freeway shooting drugs alone well i hope so (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if there's a deeper level of hell (laughs) yeah no that that was definitely the bottom and you know, the way I got out of that was courtesy of the Los Angeles Police Department. Ah, so, yeah. Okay, so yeah, you got that, that, taken into court. And, yeah, yeah, angels with a badge is like what I like to oh, say about that. Oh, I, yeah. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, now you've been clean and sober how long? Uh, four years. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And you work in recovery, right? You work for Breathe Life Centers, is that right? I work for Breathe Life Healing Center. I'm a primary chem sex counselor there. And, you know, I draw from that experience. I went back to school. I, you know, I really found purpose in helping my community through my experience in my community. Wow. Yeah. And, and and so people, my people who are listening right now are primarily from the LGBT community. If, if there's any women out there or trans women out there that are listening, I mean, who are thinking, I don't even know where to start, what, what would you say? Well, I mean, I, I would definitely, I, I'm a big 12-step person. So start by hitting a meeting, seeing if you identify with any of the things in the room. Start, start by calling places like the Tweakers Project. Start by looking into like the addictive cycle. I think methamphetamine addiction, it go, it's cyclical. It goes from like use once a month to twice a week 
to a daily user. Right. So like if you see a pattern of your use increasing over a period of time, which I think is a one of the big misnomers about methamphetamine addiction is I'm not addicted because I use it once a month. Well, trust me, I used it once a month too, and it does get there. It mm. will get to daily use. You will bottom out and you will lose everything. So look at your patterns of use. And if that is something that applies to you and you see a progression in the disease, then please call a treatment center, get help, go to SAMHSA.gov. Mm. Like, Look at resources. Hmm. Jimmy, I want to bring you, drag you into the conversation. When we were on the panel, Dr. Tessima gave us a startling statistic about the number of deaths related to fentanyl and meth now exceeds the number of deaths over heroin mm-hmm. and any other drug. Mm-hmm. I was shocked by that. I don't know about you. No, I, I wasn't shocked because I knew. But first of all, I, I want to say this is a really interesting story because when I've interviewed thousands of tweakers, and for a, a female to actually say yes this was sexual for me it doesn't happen because of the stigma they don't it's not a, something that's usually cop to so i have great respect for your story and i like it a lot and it's um it's great to hear and tell but with the with the deaths john it i mean i just texted you the other day for a 21 year old that had died um it it, it this is something that needs to be said. Uh, you know, there's no dancing around this anymore. Fentanyl is the killer. It's You're probably going to be in big trouble if you're not testing for fentanyl. And we make it easy. The city of West Hollywood pays for fentanyl strips, to, to test strips to be given. So if you're using, zero judgment. Do your thing until you're ready to get well. But get the strips. Just test it. If it says positive, toss it. Go get some more. Do what you got to do. But don't die on us because we need you. Yeah, we need you here. Mm-hmm. And and that's what and when people you tell people to test their drugs, it's simple, right? You take a it's little so bit easy. of the drug, you put it in water, you put the strip in, and it's a pregnancy strip for drugs. Right. And 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 you know, it's not something. It's not a new idea. Right. We did this at raves. You know, is that real ecstasy or well, what is it? So, if the kids could do it at raves, why can't we do this? Why don't gay people? who are needed in this country, we need to be here, should be very protective of their lives. If you're using, I, I, I get it. I, you know, I've been doing this for 19 years. But test it. Stick around a while. You know, just be, be clear that you're not going to die this time. Even if you think, I don't care if I die. No, well, we do. We want you here. Yeah. I, to me, it, it's always so heartbreaking. I, uh, did you, uh, my friend Justin Wells Devastating. recently of an overdose. And we were just talking, talking about, about him. him. I loved him so much. And he was out there working in recovery, creating the West Wind Recovery Centers, and just got married. And he and his husband were expecting a baby. And he, I'm sure he thought, I can just do a little bit and you know, I can manage it. And he overdosed. You know, his husband. God bless him. Um, he volunteered at Sizzle, which is the sober carnival at Pride that you, that you helped create with us. And they were supposed to volunteer for two hours, three hours. They stayed the whole weekend with us. They did not want to leave because they saw all of this happiness without drugs or booze. And, you know, I think, like we always speak, community helps. Like if, if they see someone having fun that they look up to, they're going to want to stick around. And that's what our purpose was with Tweaker's Project. Let's show the people that got well, not the people that got sick. Let's show the people that got well that you know. You know you look in the paper, you're going to see this person, and they're well. And you can do it too. And that's always been my philosophy. I've been on HuffPost Live with faces of death and meth and all these other programs, which I like every program. But mine, my program is 
health and well-being can happen. It can and it does. And we have a prime example sitting right here. (laughs) Coming up next, Tigers, we'll be talking more about life after meth for LGBT people here on Channel Q. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medela, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. How do I feel this good sober? Thy pink. Shout out to Michael Kay and all the people listening in Palm Springs. Just got a text from Michael. He's enjoying today's show. Thank you, Michael. We are talking to Melissa McCracken uh, from Breathe Life Centers and Jimmy Palmieri from the Tweakers Project. And uh, I, this is a really good issue to bring up because I think a lot of people who end up as addicts or alcoholics, it's feelings that will just take us away. Mm-hmm. My boyfriend cheated on me, so I'm gonna get high. You know, mm-hmm. My dog died, so I'm gonna drink. Uh, I've just been told I'm HIV positive, so F it, I'm gonna get stoned. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, I lost my job, so I'm gonna, and it's all these efforts, 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 like, you know, I'm just gonna get drunk or high, that's gonna be the solution. Mm-hmm. And what we're really talking about is those feelings that come up and not knowing how to discern or deal with them. What, yeah. what have you learned about feelings, Melissa, <laughs> or Jimmy? so much <laughs> about feelings just in recovery. I've learned that they're potent, they're intense, and up until being a person in recovery, I didn't understand how they were actually the driving force of much of my life and my addiction. Um, I have always had a disproportionate reaction to the world around me based on feelings. And I think in early recovery, having support of a community therapeutic support, things like that have really helped me kind of discern, manage, and learn how to regulate those feelings because, man, they really did take me take me on a spin. Mm-hmm. So. Very, very true. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, you got anything? So, so when I, first of all, I'm Italian, so feelings are just a big part of it. <laughs> yeah. but, um, when, when, I, when I talk to people in the beginning and they are squashing their feelings and feelings are scary and Melissa's right that that they they can terrorize someone and and you're right saying well this feeling so I'm going to use but once they start to process and navigate these feelings this is life this is what they're breathing now oh I am feeling happy I am feeling sad and this is cool because other people feel sad other people feel happy so it's a I think it's a process of understanding that this isn't the end of the world this is what you're about you're you're a human and you have feelings and some of them are good and some of them are bad but there's a way to navigate it somehow and it's always community in my head always Mm -hmm. you know that the three basic components of addiction or alcoholism one the physical allergy to the substance right once i do one i gotta do a lot two the mentally obsessive mind that once i start to twirl in my head i am going to grind down on this thought until i've exhausted myself and then three being the spiritual malady or the spiritual bankruptcy or or not having anything to cling to when time 
sometimes get rocky. I think that's that kind of in all the 12 step meetings, that's kind of at the essence of it all. Mine is anger. So anger is my feeling that I love to uh, chew on anger, too. John. <laughs> anger is my feeling that will get me closest to getting drunk or wanting to get higher stoned. Right. Yeah. And I have had to learn now for 23 years that when I get angry, I am not allowed to tweet text, write, <laughs> post, or go on Facebook, anything, for 24 hours, I have just got to practice the restraint and practice of patience and not do any of that. And usually 24 hours later, I'm like, oh, it passed. Nothing. It passed. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't drink and I didn't get high. Yeah. It, I mean, it usually does. I mean, anger, I, I guess, in the work that I do, it, I call that a secondary emotion, right? That's a protective emotion. Like, I feel threatened in some way. Is there feelings of sadness? Is there feelings of shame? Like, really deepening into the experience of anger has been really helpful for me because I'm usually not just pissed off. Right. There's usually, like, a very a very deep emotion that's happening, like, in, in my body, which is for me it's sadness for other people it's shame or guilt or remorse or things like that so yes take the 24-hour pause definitely highly <laughs> recommended i do the same pause but also like getting curious about like oh i i notice a protective emotion coming up for me what's underneath that mm. like what am i really experiencing mm -hmm. yeah that's been helpful and, and these are the tools that i think lgbt people we don't get in the, on the playground like we're no. not we're, I don't, maybe more, maybe all humanity jay i don't know as a heterosexual male did you get any of these tools or probably, yeah. i don't think i did either okay <laughs> right. Right. so maybe it's just common to all humanity nobody got these tools but i mean that that is what keeps it and instead the anger gets pushed into something else like mm. i just learned over the break you two paint you know, uh, and so that's the creative side of where that's got to go. Me, I write, you know, and so there are other places for that energy to go besides in my arm, up my nose or down my gullet. Yeah, right, I right. mean, that's that's a powerful energy, right? And like, how, how am I focusing my energy is really a question I like to ask myself. Am I focusing it on heading towards a relapse and like chewing on anger for a week? Or am I using it in my brush strokes and in the color palette that I choose? Mm, you know, yeah, yeah, focus yeah. is really important. I think too in recovery, not focusing on relapse and shame and things like that, but focusing on the things that I actually want by being a recovered person. Wow, very cool. You know, they say the other thing that takes people out, finance and romance. Finance and romance. Worried about money or bills or career or all that stuff or what he said, what she did or uh, looking at my past or my sexual uh, relationships. That that will take people out just as readily too. Mm -hmm. But what, what do we do with that? Let's, let's say you're listening right now and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm cheating on my husband or I can't seem to find love or nobody's ever gonna want me, therefore I'm gonna get high or drunk. Mm -hmm. what instead should be done? I mean, I think getting ahead of shame, right? Like getting ahead of guilt, like getting ahead of shame, getting ahead of remorse, which is like asking myself in each action that I'm taking, can I, I can't afford feelings of guilt or shame. Like I can't afford them. They go right in my relapse sack and then I go out. Mm. So like getting ahead of it and making sure that in the moment, am I honest, not just telling the truth, calling my, you know, support person after I've done the thing. Right. <laughs> like, right. That doesn't really help me. Yeah. But I, let me ask you something. It, 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 over this period of time, it took me a very long time to get this, but it's not my business what someone else thinks about me. And that yeah. really saves me from spinning so much. Mm -hmm. And But that took a lot of work. Because yeah. I'm old. well, what do they think? You know, But who cares? Who cares? Right. Well, I think, you know, we have this magnifier 
uh, this internal magnifier I did as a queer person where I thought everyone knew. I thought everyone was thinking about me all the time. So that was really amplified coming into recovery. And it, I mean, I can say that I still deal with that on a daily. Like, what is this person thinking of me? Still that feeling of like, are they going to find out who I am? Like still kind of plagues me in like social settings. As, as gay people, we have lived that. Yes. And yeah, we're yeah. always worried what people are thinking because we were are we gay? Are we acting gay? Are we too gay for this situation? You know, it, it was a safety strategy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, gang, we have to wrap it up there. Melissa McCracken, Jimmy Paul, Mary, thank, thank you guys you. for coming Thanks, by John. and sharing Thanks, your John. experience, your strength, and your hope. <laughs> we appreciate it. When we come back, we'll be talking to Karen Olcom about the coronavirus epidemic in America here on Channel Q. Like a virus by Bjork here on Channel Q. Gang, whenever I got questions about things I don't understand, who do I call? Not Ghostbusters. I who call, do you call? I call Karen Oakum. Hey. <laughs> That's our next guest. Karen, welcome back to Sidebar. Thank you, John. How are you doing? I am good. The coronavirus, despite what the orange one is saying or not saying. The I, orange I, one? <laughs> yeah, you, I know, have been gathering information, gathering data. You just wrote a story for The Blade. I, you know, you're on top of this stuff because I know your little obsessive mind. You just are all over this. I know you are. <laughs> so what, what have you learned or what, what can you tell people who are listening across the country? Okay. Um, first of all... Disclaimer, I'm not a health professional, I'm not a health reporter, but I am a reporter. So I have been trying to gather as much information because the LGBTQ community, are, you know, we're regular human beings as well, so this impacts us, and we need to be very careful and take precautions, but not panic. That's the big key takeaway. Uh, the most important thing, if you hear nothing else from me, is to take care of yourself and to watch out and take care of others and keep up to date yourself. This is taking, you know, in the old days we we used to talk about, you know, being our own best patient advocate type people. We really, given the federal government, Lord knows what they're doing, uh, we really do need to stay on top of this. The CDC is on top of this. So here is the website that you need to know that you can check regularly for updates and what to do and where it is, et cetera, et cetera. The update, uh, the, the website is cdc.gov backslash c-o-v-i-d dash 19 covid 19 and that'll give you all the information uh la county and most of the uh, uh county and state uh health of public, uh, public health departments are staying in touch with uh nih and dr fauci and the cdc uh even though the CDC had a few missteps, we find out now, uh, regarding lack of protective gear when they went to uh, uh, check on, on patients, uh, American citizens who were returned to March Air Force Base and were quarantined after coming back from Asia. Apparently, they did not have protective gear, and Representative uh, Mark Takano was furious about it, wants to hold hearings, etc. Okay. So this is flu season, 
And like the flu, the coronavirus is airborne and highly contagious. So it can be spread through coughing and sneezing. But because this is so contagious, what you need to remember is not only to cover your mouth when you cough and sneeze, but then wash your hands. Uh, And washing your hands all the time for about at least 20 seconds with soap and water because washing your hands scrubs out the virus, not just stick it under the water and call it done. Well, most viruses are very sensitive uh, to to air. And and the fact is this virus has got to go up your nose or in your mouth in order to get down into your lungs. If it just if it's just on your elbow, it's not going to get through your skin. It's got to well, get up actually, your nose or in your mouth. They have been saying is that it is contagious through touching, such as shaking hands and touching an infected surface. Yeah, I actually read the thing about the surface this morning. They've not yet concluded. That's not concluded yet. They, they, they have not been able to conclude yet that the virus can be transferred from skin to surface to skin. Unless okay, you've got something safe, brand new. Uh, rather safe than sorry. So you wipe down, you know, um, various areas or whatever. And make sure you don't touch your, your mouth and your eyes. This is not a panic. I'm not trying to panic people. I'm just saying we have to to take care of ourselves and protect ourselves and and take precautions so wiping down areas and and uh, it's not to say don't touch people and don't hug people it's just be careful if somebody you're going in to hug and kiss you know seems to have a cold or the flu be careful well let's let's talk about the symptoms for a second so it's not only like coughing or sneezing, or flu-like, but it's fever. Fever is the the giveaway. If somebody's got a fever, now this sounds like flu, right? Fever, coughing, and sneezing. There, there is the possibility, and then you should probably get checked just to make sure that it's not uh, that's not the coronavirus. Uh, the incubation period is anywhere from two days to two weeks. So that mm-hmm. means upon exposure, I'm talking two hours. Upon exposure to coronavirus, within two hours, oh, I wow. could develop symptoms, or it could take up to two weeks. And so that's why they're recommending if people are possibly exposed, they've got to be segregated or quarantined or isolated during that two-week period. Or self-isolate, you know. So if you feel like you're coming down with symptoms, uh, stay home. I mean, protect yourself and others. And mild cases are, you know, you can recover from mild cases. So this is not an automatic death sentence. People ought not to worry about that. But another thing is um, trade has been disrupted, as you've probably heard. I saw the ports of Long Beach uh, this morning, and there ain't, you know, it's empty. Uh, So if you have medication, or something important that comes from China, for instance, then it's, you know, you might want to stock up for a while. medications in particular. Karen, we coming up next when we come back, gang, we're going to be talking to Karen Oakham some more about the coronavirus, what we're all doing, and how we're responding to this. Thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q. You like that, huh, Jason? That's I'm a virus, the virus rap. <laughs> I was really jamming to that when you picked that song for me, John. Gang, okay, we're talking to Karen Oakham, noted LGBT journalist forever and ever uh, about the coronavirus. Karen, welcome back. 
Thank you. You know, you and I've been you saying I'm very, very old. We, you and I, both are very, very old. <laughs> very, very, we're aging well together, friend. Thank you. <laughs> um, hey, I wanted to chat a bit about uh, drawing some comparisons to HIV and AIDS, and and there's some things that are similar and some things that are very different. And maybe we should illuminate some of that. For example, HIV and AIDS is not as easy to catch. Uh, I'm sorry, is yeah, not as easy to catch as coronavirus. Coronavirus is casually transmitted through the air. Uh, HIV and AIDS, you got to have sex or share a needle in order to, to, uh, to get HIV. Yeah, and that's a really, really, really important distinction. I've, I've heard people make that comparison because, uh, you know, some uh, health officials have said that this coronavirus is so new, but one thing is, is that it keeps changing and replicating much as the HIV virus does. And I'm going, wait a second, wait a second. Be careful about those comparisons because one is airborne. You remember back in the day when we were first talking about HIV, a lot of people thought that HIV was airborne. Congressman Dannemeyer said gay men admitted spores. That carried that's, HIV that's through right. the air. And I mean, including uh, city council member Nate Holden, who thought it was like tuberculosis. And so, therefore, you know, he was trying to create laws and remember the quarantining uh, HIV AIDS, you know. So it's very, very important that people understand that HIV is actually more difficult to get. You have to have sex and needles, as you said, whereas this is this coronavirus. Virus, which people are still trying to wrap their heads around. Uh, they, you know, it first started making its appearance last December, but apparently people have known about it. Uh, the World Health Organization has known about it for a while, but they're still trying to get their heads around it. Apparently, it started, it came from bats. Bats in, to uh, in China to yeah, cats this, to uh, uh, Wuhan, China. Place. And this is a good point to bring up, actually, because like HIV, there was this belief that all homosexuals, men, uh, were potentially carriers of HIV, and a lot of AIDS phobia came out of that. Coronavirus, people are thinking all Asians are right. the carriers, and that's just not true, guys. It's in Brazil, it's in Australia, it is in South Korea, Japan, and China, but it's also in France, in Germany. Germany, in the Netherlands, it's a in world Italy, pandemic. It's really wreaking havoc in Italy. Yeah, so it, there are no racial stereotyping. There, we, we, we can't do that. The other thing I want to bring up is quarantine. Now, quarantine to you and me as HIV activists or people who were around the epidemic, Karen, is a dirty word. Like quarantine, we fought to pe- right. pe- well, keep like people. Right, like the Japanese were interned right. during World War. But it's different this time because quarantine this time means two weeks. It means isolating somebody from friends and loved ones and only having them come in contact with healthcare workers who are properly masked and gloved mm-hmm. to prevent the, prevent the spread of infection. That's actually tolerable in a democratic society, that form of quarantine, as opposed to the quarantine of HIV-positive people, which was a proposal to just put them away for life. Right, and there is no stigma attached to that. You have an illness, you need to be isolated in order to be properly treated by people who are protected from this very contagious uh, disease. And again, people can recover. This is not an automatic death sentence. Right. And the other Uh, thing that people bring up is, well, only 2% of people die. Well, 2% of 7 billion is is, uh, 140 million people on the planet dying. 
by the way, yeah. gang. So let's not use 2% as something like that. It's only 2%. Yeah, of 7 billion people is tens of millions of people, potentially. Right, and and people are getting a little freaked out that Governor Newsom said that uh, there are, you know, that California is monitoring 8,400 people. Well, monitoring for the possibility of having come in contact with somebody who was on a a ship or who flew on uh, South American, South Korean airways, or monitoring is very different. And uh, in California, there have been and so far, well, as of yesterday, uh, 33 people who tested positive. Uh, but again, they they were primarily associated with this Diamond Princess cruise ship uh, that docked off of uh, Japan. But so far, the the one person who tested positive uh, is at UC Davis Medical Center. This is the Salona County woman. That's uh, John Garamendi's district, for those who are interested. And she had flu symptoms before she went into this North Bay Vaca Valley Hospital in Vacaville. And then because her health deteriorated, that's when she was transferred to UC Davis. Meanwhile, there are a couple of college students who are medical uh, students who came in contact with her. So they're now in isolation. This is contact tracing. This is contact tracing. It's necessary for all epidemiology. I mean, that's right. We learned that through HIV. Because uh, she tested positive and they came in contact with her, they are now in isolation and being monitored. Same thing with uh, three uh, U.S. Davis roommates uh, who are under a 14-day isolation, uh, which uh, the public health says is, quote, out of an abundance of caution. Yeah, Karen, get this. L.A. County, home to 10 million people. You know how many test kits we have in Los Angeles County at this moment? Zero. No, zero. I checked yesterday. Zero. And, and this is the problem is we have a federal government, a federal administration that cut the budget of the CDC, that eliminated the, the complex pandemic department of the CDC. And we are all standing here unprepared. We don't have test kits in L.A. County. We don't have test kits in any of the urban areas. China has tested 200,000 plus people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have not tested even a thousand because we don't even have the test kits available we are so woefully unprepared for this that i i do fault the administration i do fault the trumpers and we're just going to have to get on it and that's what's happening and thank you for we actually unfortunately we have to cut for the top of the half hour but karen will you come back again and talk more about coronavirus when you gather more info well, you know, invite me back, sure. We will. And Michael Gottlieb said he wanted to come on the show. Maybe we'll have you together. Oh, wow. Okay. That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right. Karen, gang, thank you, Karen. When we come back, we'll be talking Thanks, to Karen. Senator Scott Weiner here on Channel Q. San Francisco, one of my favorite cities in the country, and we are blessed to have the state senator representing San Francisco on the line with us, Senator Scott Weiner. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You know, I've been wanting to have you on the show because you were doing so much good stuff for the LGBT community, for housing all across the state of California. Uh, but my eye caught, was caught by the attention of SB 888, which is a bill you put forth to, to put financial rewards forward for meth addicts. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. 
Uh, sure. Um, and yeah, we are working really hard to protect the LGBT community to try to reduce and eliminate and uh, end HIV infection. We're doing some work to make it easier to get a rapid syphilis test. So uh, trying to take a, a real public health approach to some of the challenges facing our uh, community. And meth is a uh, big and growing problem in, uh, in a lot of parts of California. Um, it doesn't get as much attention as opioids, uh, but it deserves a lot more uh, attention. Um, and it really uh, it destroys uh, lives. Um, and in the LGBT community, meth has been a problem for a long time. Uh, and there's there's really no uh, medical treatment yeah, for there's, meth. There's methadone um, for opiates, but, but right. for meth, there's no medical treatment per there's, se. There's nothing, which is one of the reasons why I'm, I, I'm in awe of people who are able uh, to, to really get into recovery and stay in recovery. It requires enormous support and willpower. Um, but one strategy that is proven is that if you provide financial incentives to people who are using meth to go into recovery, stay in recovery, get sober, stay sober, uh, it it works. Um, The VA has been doing this for almost a decade, the San Francisco AIDS Foundation for almost a decade, with extremely successful results. A large majority of people uh, uh, go into recovery, stay in recovery, and get sober. Uh, And so we want to make explicit that this is legal under California law uh, and that Medi-Cal can reimburse it. And we're not talking about huge amounts of money. It's usually giving a gift certificate or a gift card to people. It might be, you know, to a, to a supermarket so they can get food or to um, CVS or Walgreens so they can get toiletries or, or maybe even to the movies. Maybe they can take their family to the movies. Uh, just something that provides positive reinforcement, and it works. So it's like I, I was reading the San Francisco AIDS Foundation's reporting that something like 63% of the participants in this program are, in fact, recovering from meth with programs such as this. And it's really a few hundred dollars that they get, but it, it is a form of positive reinforcement. Usually we use only negative reinforcement. You're going to have to go to jail. You're going to have to go to prison. You're going to have to go into treatment. You're going to have to go to 12-step meetings, although I think that's a blessing, by the way. But uh, this is something that's uh, another tool in the toolkit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, a lot of times uh, when it comes to addiction, um, we get stuck in the old ways that you just berate people into um, into uh, stopping their use or you or you incarcerate people, um, you, you stigmatize people, and that just doesn't work. Uh, and so we're trying to take new approaches that help. For example, we've we were trying to pass state legislation to allow San Francisco to pilot safe injection sites. We have a lot of people who are injecting uh, on our streets, and it's not healthy for them or for the community. And so we want people to be able to go inside into a healthy setting with healthcare workers, uh, which reduces infection, reduces crime, reduces syringe litter, and has a very high rate of getting people into recovery programs. So whether it's this, uh, you know, the the mess financial incentive approach or safe injection sites. We just want to take a forward-looking public health approach uh, to helping people break their addictions. Are you getting pushback from people across the aisle in the other party or pushback from people within your own party on this idea? Um, The only uh, pushback uh, so far are the uh, right-wing Twitter trolls who, you know, like to make fun of of me in California and San Francisco, uh, but you know that's to be expected of them. Um, you know we've not gotten any 
uh, pushback in in other quarters uh, so far. Um, you know, it's a new concept for a lot of people. They've never heard of it before. And so it will require education. But fortunately, the data is so strong on a, in supporting this uh, approach. And um, the VA has been doing it for almost a decade. The VA is hardly um, a, you know, some sort of radical organization. It's, it's one of the largest healthcare providers in the country. And the VA is invested in doing this because it works. Mm. You know, uh, we had some uh, folks on from SWAP, Sex Workers Outreach Project, a few months ago. They were crowing about your SB 233, your bill, mm-hmm. which uh, ends up that uh, cops can no longer use condoms as evidence in solicitation cases or, or, or any, any other way to dissuade people from reporting more violent and felonious conduct. Yeah. And they don't have to fear retribution from law enforcement. That, that's heroic, man. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that bill, it was a hard bill because it required a two-thirds vote, but we were able to get it done, and the governor signed it, which is great. Um, but, you know, we, we need to move towards decriminalization of, of sex work, but until we get there, um, we need to take common sense steps to protect the health and safety of sex workers. In cities around California, including until not that long ago, San Francisco, um, were using possession of condoms as probable cause to arrest someone for sex work. And uh, talk about the wrong incentive. It's basically signaling to sex workers that you shouldn't carry condoms because if you carry condoms, it might be used against you. So the bill uh, did prohibit um, use of condoms as evidence either for arrest or conviction for sex work. And then uh, we also have sex workers who, you know, they are victimized by violent crime or they witness violent crime and they're scared to come forward because I think they'll have to admit that they were engaged in sex work and that they'll be arrested. And so the bill, uh, the the law now uh, bans arrest of sex workers for sex work, drug related, drug possession, et cetera, um, if they're reporting a violent crime. You, you are doing God's good work, Senator. I, I thank you so much for taking that stand. Uh, I mean, thank I, you. I, I know in my city in West Hollywood, I try to get my council colleagues to go along with me setting up a sex worker task force. I couldn't get a second vote. They're so afraid of it. I'm like, this is a, guys, come on. We do need to get to decrim, and these are the initial first steps to, to get in there. I want to ask you, and we're almost ready uh, to come out of time, but uh, your good friend and my good friend Jeff Kors is now the mayor of Palm Springs, and my pal uh, John Bowders is up there on the council in Emeryville. We thought it would be great to have the four of us get on the line sometime and talk about housing policy for the state of California, because I think you've been unfairly vilified uh, for what you're trying to do around creating housing for the state, and we are in dire need of that. Maybe when you got spring break or you got some time, I could take 20 minutes of yeah. your time and we'd all get on the line as four mayors, or three mayors and a state senator, LGBT, yeah. and talk about housing housing, because it impacts every segment of our community, especially LGBT. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, we, I, you know, sometimes I get vilified, but there's a lot of support, too. It's a hard, it's a hard issue in that we're actually not a hard issue. It's what we have to do, but it changes the status quo, and so you get pushback. But the good thing is we have more and more local elected officials, including members of our community, uh, people like you and, and John Bowders and Jeff Kors and others, who have really stepped up in the leadership on housing and are willing to push the envelope. So I'd be happy to do that. That would be awesome. Senator Scott Weiner. thank you so much for joining us, taking some time out of your busy day at the state capitol. We really do appreciate it. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. When we come back, gang, concluding remarks on this wonderful Friday before a great weekend here on Channel Q.
Hey, gang, welcome back. Well, what a great show we had today. Uh, you know, topping off Black History Month with the Reverend Lucia Chappelle and then Melissa McCracken and Jimmy Paul Mary on meth in both the women's community and LGBT community. And then uh, Karen Oakham on the coronavirus and then Senator Weiner on uh, his legislative efforts. Good show, huh, Jay? Good lineup. Good <laughs> it show. Was a, it was a good show. I, I have a question for you. Um, do you know if those those face masks are effective or not when it comes to the coronavirus? Apparently, what I read, this is what I read, they're not foolproof because Uh the virus can still get in. The only ones that are really good are the ones that the doctors wear that are like full half face mask and they're very limited supplies of those and usually it's healthcare workers who get them. Right, and I was going to say, I mean, when you're inhaling, you you still have to take in air from the outside. Yeah, but the things that people are wearing walking around town that look like, you know, a yarmulke on your face, I mean, it's just not not going to be protective. It's enough. not going to work. It's not, not going to work. Gotcha. Now, if you're sick, you should wear something. But if you're well, oh, I believe that, if you're yeah. well, you're. I mean, for what I, because I've been reading a lot, because obviously I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, uh, interested about it because of the comparisons to HIV. Really, it's it's the taking of uh, of a virus that ends up on your finger and putting it in your mouth or your nose that gets it into your body, into your lungs. The virus has got to travel. Right. You know? It's just not. Usually, it's the droplets of respiration in a sneeze or a cough that is the easiest way to spread. Well, I mean, when, when I cough, I, I don't even use my hands. I use my elbow, and yeah. I cough into my elbow, and then I move on with my day. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> create an open fist, you know, and kind of funnel the germs <laughs> into your general direction. Just shoot them. I just funnel them directly at you. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like Melissa was saying before she left, you know, we're in this community, we're so used to hugging and all the time. Right. You know, it's like cough, cough into my hand, and then shake your hand. Hi, nice to meet you. So, yeah. I mean, in the meantime, we're all going to have to, like, wash extensively right yeah, yeah there's a headline on cnn news right now which just irritates me and you know i just told everybody on the air like an hour ago that i've learned to be patient and not get angry yeah and i'm now going to blow right <laughs> through that don't do it john <laughs> but trump jr is on the air saying that the democrats are hoping millions of people die to hurt his father the president are you insane I mean, these people are insane. Absolutely. I mean, who would wish that millions would die for any purpose other than pure evil, like Adolf Hitler? Who would believe a story like that anyway? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, but I'm guessing that some of the Trumpers do. And they, they tweet and republish this crap. You know, the reason, Donald Trump, you're being criticized is because you're asleep at the wheel. He's so busy tweeting about Bernie and about Mini Mike and about, you know, calling people names. And meanwhile, the stock markets are crashing. There's a pandemic going on all over the world. This is the opportunity for him to actually be presidential, put his iPhone and Twitter account down and lead. Absolutely. But no, he's not. He's so busy. He's like a child. He's like a, an infant in the White House, you know. He, he's like in his own protective bubble and he only sees through his own lens and nobody else's perspectives and uh, unfortunately there's a lot of people that are following after him because of it. Yeah, well it's 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 shameful. I mean, think how we got Anthony Fauci at the CDC. Mm-hmm. You know, this this new person that Mike Pence, okay, one thing Mike Pence did do good. He hired Deborah uh, Bur- Burks uh, to come in. Now she's been doing AIDS in Africa and AIDS around the world for a long time and he brought her in to be part of this task force on coronavirus. She's an expert. She's great. Mm-hmm. Now as long as 
as they let her do her job and they don't get in her way and not think about, oh, will this hurt the president politically? Who gives a damn? We're not, this is not the time to think about politics. Right. When you're in the middle of an epidemic. Right. Seriously. It's a time to think of the people and to protect yeah. the people, not yourself. This would be the time to unite the country. Like, what, do, here, Donald Trump, if you're listening to Sidebar, which I highly doubt, <laughs> which but, he should, which he should, <laughs> but if you were, Donald, this would be the opportunity to step forward and say, American people, we need to come together. Now is not the time for red and blue. Now is not the time for politics. Now is the time for us to gather together as one common nation to fight a threat against the entire planet a new virus that has the potential to wipe out tens of millions of people. Everyone come together. Just don't hold hands or sneeze. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it is a perfect opportunity for him to unite the country around a common effort instead of the continuing chaos and division. It's just so pathetic. And then Donald Trump Jr. saying that we secretly, we Democrats, are hoping tens of millions to die because mm. it would hurt his father. Give me a break. You're insane. You're all insane. The whole family. <laughs> all of you. By the way, this Donald Trump Jr., they that when they were showing pictures of him as trophy hunters with dead elephants, I was like, you know what? You I are just that yes yes like so proud he killed an elephant that's with a disgusting gun. is it disgusting i mean it's horrible yeah. i mean elephants and dolphins and chimpanzees and uh, any animal basically that reminds me i i've decided i'm going to bring on the show there are these women who are working on giving chimpanzees and other higher level uh, primates protections under the law and i'm going to bring them Ooh, on the show i, I like think that. that would be really interesting to listen That'd be to a great so. discussion yes it would yes yeah. it would i'm all for protecting the gorillas and the chimps and even the giraffes like our guests last week yay <laughs> gang we got to tune out of here thank you for a wonderful February for a wonderful Valentine's Month, Black History Month. Next month is March. It's Women's History Month. We'll be having lots of prominent women coming by at Sidebar. Have a wonderful weekend, and thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q.